Hello and welcome back to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Now that we've completed Shakespeare and Chekhov's canons, our troupe of professional and amateur theater lovers together is taking on great works across mediums. So from Aaron Sorkin to indie playwrights, Valentine's rom-coms, French classics, Greek tragedies, so much more. We've got everything coming up for you. So Shaw, Stoppard, Moliere, Efron, and so much more coming down the pike. So for you to enjoy in audio form here on our podcast feed, or if you want to catch all of our costumes, props, effects, and unplanned pet appearances, um, all of our readings are also available on our YouTube channel. Just search My Entertainment World and you'll see it there. Um, please keep in mind that these are genuinely cold readings. We're publishing unedited, so bear with us through some stumbles, tangents, and of course, every time someone's accidentally on mute. Um, that happens all the time. Sometimes people don't show up. You just got to bear with us. Uh, so to make sure you don't miss any of our content, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or on our podcast feed where you'll find episodes of all our favorite ongoing series, including this one, of course, as well as the Shakespeare series, the favorite series, Corona Movie Club, exclusive interviews, as well as our annual MLB roundtable discussion, which is my very favorite thing we do. So follow us on social media at MyEntWorld, my E-N-T world. Um, and of course, check out the website, MyEntertainmentWorld.ca, where you can find all of the above, as well as reviews, editorials, artist spotlights, and so much more. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. Today's reading kicks off our Valentine's season, a series of four movie scripts that are some of our favorite romances of all time. So the first one we did was Shakespeare in Love, which is not only the movie I personally watch every Valentine's Day come hell or high water, um, but it also felt really appropriate because this group came together around Shakespeare. Shakespeare's our guy. Um, and we love Shakespeare in Love. It is a real, depending on what, what kind of Shakespeare lover you are, um, at least for us, it's a, it's a real Shakespeare lover's dream because though it does completely mess with everything, it's obviously not an accurate history. Um, it really sort of mixes up certain realities of the plays. It pretends that act two or act one, scene two of 12th night is act one, scene one of 12th night, things like that. So if you're like a huge super purist, it will get on your nerves. But for us, people who are sort of more like off the pedestal kind of Shakespeare lovers, Shakespeare in Love is so fun because um, Stoppard, who wrote the screenplay, is also a Shakespeare nerd. And so it's just absolutely packed with references and quotes and little details here and there that the more you know about Shakespeare and his work, the more you catch. And it's just, it's really fun. Um, so we had a, a ball with this one. It has a huge sprawling cast, so I'm not going to read them all for you. Um, the cast lists are available on the website as well as uh, on our YouTube channel if you want to check that out. Um, but this one stars uh, Shailen McFall as uh, Viola, as well as Scott Garland as William Shakespeare, which of course it does. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. We had a lot of fun doing it. Um, one other notice that the stage directions here are read by Miriam Bachman. And the reason for that is that I usually do the stage directions myself. Um, I hate doing it. I'm not very good at it. And as we were moving into the Valentine seasons, I knew specifically this one. Um, I just didn't want to have to read the sex scenes. I thought I would giggle and I did indeed giggle. So <laughs> I was glad to be on mute for that and to pass off the responsibility to Miriam who has a much better straight face than I do. Um, so you can hear her sort of having to awkwardly manage her way through some of the stage directions that are describing things that are happening on screen that obviously in a Zoom socially distanced reading were not happening um, on our screens and therefore she had to describe them for us. So that's a little bit of a fun element of this reading. 
in addition to it just being an absolutely beautiful script, uh, beautifully read by our players. So I really hope you enjoy it. Shakespeare in Love by Mark Norman and Tom Stoppard. The Rose Theatre, Day, Sky, over which a title, London, Summer 1593, appears. Title card. In the glory days of the Elizabeth, Elizabethan Theatre, two playhouses were fighting it out for writers and audiences. North of the city was the Curtain Theatre, home to England's most famous actor, Richard Burbage. Across the river was the competition, built by Philip Henslow, a business with a cash flow problem. The Rose. Gradually, a building is revealed. The Rose Theatre, three-tiered, open to the elements and empty. On the floor, roughly printed, a poster, torn, soiled, out of date. It says, September 7th and 8th at noon. Mr. Edward Allen and the Admiral's men at the Rose Theatre, Bankside. The lamentable tragedy of the moneylender revenged. Over this, the screams of a man under torture. The screams are coming from the curtain stage. Oh, ow, ow, ow. You mongrel, why do you howl when it is I who was bitten? The Rose Theatre stage day. The theatre owner, Philip Henslow, is the man screaming. Henslow's boots are on fire. He is pinioned in a chair with his feet stuck out over the hot coals of a fire burning in a brazier. He is being held in that position by Lambert, who is a thug employed by Fenneman, who is the owner of The Voice. The fourth man, Freeze, is Fenneman's bookkeeper. What am I, Mr. Lambert? Bitten. Mr. Fennyman. How badly bitten, Mr. Freeze? 12 pounds, one shilling, and four pence, Mr. Fennyman, including interest. Oh, I, I, I could pay you. When? Two weeks, three at the most. Ow, for pity's sake. Take his feet out. Where will you get... 16 pounds, 5 shillings, and 9 pence. Including interest in three weeks? Uh, I have a wonderful new play. Put his feet in. It's a comedy. Cut his nose off. A new comedy by Will Shakespeare. Oh, and his ears. And a share. Uh, We will be partners, Mr. Fennyman. Partners? It's a crowd tickler, mistaken identities, a shipwreck, a pirate king, a bit with a dog, and, and love triumphant. I think I've seen it. I didn't like it. This time it is by Shakespeare. What's the title? Romeo and Ethel the Pirate's Daughter. Good title. Fenniman hmm. snaps his fingers at Freeze and Lambert. Lambert unties Henslow. Freeze starts writing a contract. Play takes time. Find actors, rehearsals, let's say open in three weeks. That's what, 500 groundlings at tuppence each, in addition 400 groundlings, tuppence each, in addition 400 backsides at three pence, a penny extra for a cushion, call it 200 cushions. Say two performance for safety. How much is that, Mr. Freeze? 20 pounds to the penny, Mr. Fenneman. Correct. But... I have to pay the actors and, and the authors. A share of the profits. There's never any. Of course not. Mr. Fennyman, I think you may have hit on something. Mm-hmm. Sign Henslow takes the quill inside. 
Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter. <laughs> Almost finished? Without doubt, he's completing it at this very moment. <laughs> Will's room, day. A small cramped space in the eaves of a building. A cluttered shelf containing various objects wedged between crumpled pieces of paper. Among those, we have time to observe. Skull, a mug that says a present from Stratford-upon-Avon. At infrequent intervals, further pieces of crumpled paper are tossed toward the shelf. The man who is throwing them, Will Shakespeare, is bent over a table, writing studiously with a quill. Now we see what he is writing. Will is practicing his signature over and over again. Will Shag's beard, W. Shaxper, William Shasper. Each time he is dissatisfied, and each time he crumples and tosses it away. Suddenly, Will becomes impatient. He jumps up and goes to the loft area in the rafters where he sleeps and starts to pull on his boots. At this point, the door opens and Henslow walks in. He is out of breath and his feet hurt. Will, where is my play? Tell me you haven't nearly done. Tell me you haven't started. You have begun? Doubt that the stars are fire. Doubt that the sun doth move. No, no, we haven't the time. Talk prose. Where is my play? It is all locked up safe in here. God be praised. Locked. As as soon as I have found my muse. Street. Outside Will's house. Day. Will lives in a crowded area of the city. Hawkers are crying their wares. Tract sellers, delivery boys, and merchants go about their business. Henslow catches up with Will as he strides purposefully along. Who is she this time? She is always Aphrodite. Aphrodite Baggett, who does it behind the dog and trumpet? (sighs) Henslow. You have no soul, so how can you understand the emptiness that seeks a soulmate? Well, I am a dead man and buggered to boot. My theater is closed by the plague these 12 weeks. My company playing the inyards of England while Burbage and the Chamberlain's men are invited to court and receive 10 pounds to play your piece written for my theater by my writer at my risk when you were green and grateful. But what piece? Richard Crookback. No, it's comedy they want, Will. Comedy! Like Romeo and Ethel? <laughs> Who wrote that? Nobody. You were writing it for me. I gave you three oh. pounds a month since. Not half of what you owe me. I am still due for one gentleman of Verona. Will, what is money to you and me? I, your patron, you, my word right. When the plague lifts, Burbage will have a new Christopher Marlowe for the curtain, and I have nothing for the rose. Mr. Henslow, will you lend me fifty pounds? Fifty pounds? What for? Burbage offers me a partnership in the Chamberlain's men. For fifty pounds, my hired player days are over. Cut out my heart, throw my liver to the dogs. Now then. Hmm. Will turns down a side street. Marketplace. Day. Henslow and Will are crossing a crowded marketplace where a Puritan preacher, Makepeace, is haranguing anyone who will listen. And then the Lord shall smite them. Yea, hearken to me. The theaters are handmaidens of the devil under the name of the curtain. The players breed lewdness in your wives, rebellion in your servants, idleness in your apprentices, and wickedness in your children. And the rose smells justly rank by any name. I say, a plague on both their houses! Hmm. Mental note. Dr. Moth's house, day. Will turns into a narrow street and walks toward a doorway. Where are you going? 
to my weekly confession. Uh-huh. As Henslow arrives, the door closes in his face. A sign identifies the place as the premises of Dr. Moth, apothecary, alchemist, astrologer, seer, interpreter of dreams, and priest of psyche. Henslow looks puzzled. Dr. Moth's house day. A stuffed alligator hangs from the ceiling. Pills, potions, amulets, and charms. Star charts and mystic paraphernalia festoon the place. Testimonials in framed degrees hang on the walls. Will lying on a couch on his back. His eyes are closed. Dr. Moth sits by the couch listening to Will and occasionally making a note on a pad he holds on his knee. What we have here is nothing less than the false dawn of analysis. The session is being timed by an hourglass. Words, words, words. Once I had the gift I could make love out of words as a potter makes cup out of clay. Love that overthrows empires. I love that binds two hearts together come hellfire and brimstone. For sixpence, I line. I could cause a riot in a nunnery. But now. And yet you tell me you lie with women? Um, Black Sue, Fat Phoebe, Rosalind, Burbage's seamstress, Aphrodite, who does it behind the dog, and... I now again, but what of it? I have lost my gift. I am here to help you. Tell me in your own words. I have lost my gift. It's as if... My quill is broken, as if the organ of my imagination has dried up, as if the proud tower of my genius has collapsed. Interesting. Nothing comes. Most interesting. It is like trying to pick a lock with a wet herring. (sighs) Tell me... Are you lately humbled in the act of love? <laughs> um, How long has it been? A goodly length of time's past, but lately... Uh, no, no, you have a wife. Children. The sand runs through the hourglass. Later, not much sand left. I was a lad of 18. Anne Hathaway was a woman half as old again. A woman of property? She had a cottage. One day she was three months gone with child, so... And your relations? uh, On my mother's side, the Ardens. No, your marriage bed. Oh, uh, four years and a hundred miles away in Stratford. Cold bed, too, since the twins were born. Banishment was a blessing. So you are now free to love. Yet cannot love nor write. Dr. Moth reaches for a glass snake bracelet. Here is a bangle found in Psyche's temple on Olympus cheap at four pence. Write your name on a paper and feed it in the snake. Will it restore my gift? The woman who wears the snake will dream of you, and your gift will return. Words will flow like a river. I will see you in a week. He holds out his hand, Will drops Sovereign into it, and takes the bracelet. 
Exterior Dr. Mouse House Day. Will comes out. Henslow is waiting, standing in a horse trough to eat his, to ease his feet. Will walks straight past him and Henslow follows. Now where will? To the palace at Whitehall. Interior Whitehall Palace backstage day. Whitehall means nothing yet. We are behind closed curtains on a stage busy with preparations for the imminent performance of two gentlemen of Verona. This is not a theater, but a banqueting hall, as we will see. Richard Burbage is to play Proteus. A boy player will play Sylvia, and then last-minute improvements to his makeup, etc., are being applied by Burbage's mistress, Rosalind. Launce, one of the clowns, is the famous comedian Will Kemp. Launce's dog, Crab, is in Kemp's charge and is not helping much. There is no set. A helpful placard reading, Verona, an open place, is ready to hand. Musicians can be heard tuning their instruments. From the other side of the curtain, there is an expectant hubbub. Kemp leads the dog into the wings and rummages in a box of props. He finds a skull. He has one foot in the box, his elbow on his knee. He looks at the skull. In other words, he reminds us of Hamlet. We see this from the point of view of Will, who is just entering through a door backstage. Prithee, Mr. Kemp, break a leg. You too, good crab. Crab is nervous. He's never played the palace. When will you write me a tragedy, Will? I could do it. Uh, No, they would laugh at Seneca if you played it. Will's attention has been caught by Rosaline, Burbage's mistress. Rosaline is a big-breasted, dark-eyed, dark-haired sexual. My sleeve wants for a button, Mistress Rosaline. Where were my seamstress's eyes? (laughs) There is no dog in the first scene, Will Camp. Thank you. How goes it, Will? I'm still out money for this play, Burbage. (laughs) Not from me. I only stole it. When are you coming over to the Chamberlain's men? When I have 50 pounds. Rosalind brings over the last elements of Burbage's costume and helps him into them. Are you writing? A comedy. All but done. A pirate comedy. Wonderful. (laughs) What is the chief part? Romeo. Wit, swordsman, lover. The title? Romeo. I will play him. Bring it tomorrow. Uh, It's for Henslow. He paid me. How much? Ten pounds. You're a liar. I swear it. He wants Romeo for Ned and the Admiral's men. Ned is wrong for it. (laughs) Will turns to see Henslow approaching. Here is two sovereigns. I'll give you two more when you show me the pages. Done. Burbage, I will see you hanged for a pickpocket. The Queen has commanded. She loves a comedy, and the Master of the Revels favors us. And what favor does Mr. Tilney receive from you? Ask him. The Master of the Revels, Tilney, comes through the curtain officiously. Comes. He disappears back through the curtains. The hubbub falls silent rather dramatically, and all the busy players know what that means. They all crowd to the curtain and find places to peep through. Interior Whitehall Palace, Banqueting Hall front of house stage day, the point of view of the players. The arrival of Queen Elizabeth, aged 60, coming to take her place in the audience at front center. The hill is crowded with lords and ladies bowing Elizabeth to her seat, which is raised high on a pedestal, affording the queen an uninterrupted view of the play and the audience an uninterrupted view of the queen. Trumpets sound. Close on a small piece of paper, a quill is writing W. Shakespeare. 
Will rolls the paper up carefully and slips it into the mouth of the snake bangle. The curtain draws back and Condal as Valentine and Burbage as Proteus begin the play. Cease to persuade, my loving Proteus. Home-keeping youth have ever homely wits. Interior, Whitehall, Palace, Banqueting Hall, the wings backstage, day. With Burbage's presence accounted for on stage, Rosaline curls an arm around Will's neck. They kiss hungrily. After a moment, Will pulls back. Will you write me a sonnet, Will? Mm, I have lost my gift. You left it in my bed. Come to look for it again. You are my muse, Rosaline. Burbage has my keeping, but you have my heart. Will takes the snake bracelet and slips it onto her arm. Rosaline looks at it, then at Will. Then they kiss again, but Will is distracted by the sound of coughing from the auditorium. You see, the consumptives plot against me. Will Shakespeare has a play. Let us go and cough through it. Um, Whitehall Palace Banqueting Hall, stage day. Valentine is on stage with Proteus. I feel a scene coming on. To be in love where scorn is brought with groans, coy looks with heart sore sighs, one fading moment's mirth with twenty watchful, weary, tedious nights. As the scene continues, Will appears at the back of the hall and finds himself next to Henslow. I still feel a scene coming on. Is it about a pirate's daughter? Interior Whitehall Palace back of the banqueting hall. Stage day. Laughter. It is later and Kemp is now on stage with his dog. The audience is roaring. You see? Comedy. Queen Elizabeth's idiosyncratic laugh rises above the others. <laughs> well played, Master Crab. I commend you. She throws a sweetheart on the stage and the dog wolves sit down. Everyone applauds. Love and a bit with a dog. That's what they like. Now... We meet Viola. Viola de Lesseps is 25 and beautiful, and she is laughing with great natural enjoyment. She sits slightly apart from her small family group, her parents, Sir Robert de Lesseps and Lady Margaret de Lesseps. Part of the fa- group, but seated behind her as, seated as befits her lower status, is Viola's nurse. Elsewhere is Lord Wessex, our villain. Wessex is in his 40s, dark, cruel, self-important, is noticed Viola. The nurse notices him. Whitehall Palace, Banqueting Hall, front of house, stage, day. Later, Valentine is on stage alone. He is speaking the speech rather more coarsely than the version we hear later. What light is light if Sylvia be not seen? What joy is joy if Sylvia be not by? Unless it is a thing that she is by and feed upon the shadow of perfection. There's a lady knows your play by heart. But when he turns to Will, he finds that Will has gone. Interior Will's room, day. Will comes into his room, goes straight to his table in the window and arranges pen, ink, and paper. Now he has his ritual. He spins around once in a circle, rubs his hands together and spits on the floor. Then he sits down, picks up his pen and stares in front of him. Pause. Then he begins to write. Interior Delesip's house, Viola's bedroom, night. The nurse is undressing her, though Viola tries intermittently to push her away. She is still bright with excitement. Like Proteus or Valentine best? Proteus for speaking, Valentine for looks. I liked the dog for laughs. But Sylvia, I did not care for much. 
His fingers were red with fighting, and he spoke like a schoolboy at lessons. Stage love will never be true love while the law of the land is heroines played by pipsqueak boys in petticoats. Oh, when can we see another? When the queen commands it. At the playhouse, nurse. Be still! The nurse is cleaning Viola's ears one by one, of course. She has an ear-cleaning implement for this, Viola submits. Playhouses are not for well-born ladies. I'm not so well-born. Well-moneyed is the same as well-born, and well-married is more so. Lord Wessex was looking at you tonight. All the men at court are without poetry. If they look at me, they see my father's fortune. We'll have poetry in my life. An adventure. And love. Love above all. Like Valentine and Sylvia? No. Not the artful postures of love, but love that overthrows life. Unbiddable, ungovernable, like a riot in the heart. And nothing to be done can ruin a rapture. Love like there has never been in a play. I will have love or I will end my days as a... As a nurse? Mm. But I would be Valentine and Sylvia too. Good nurse. God save you and good night. I would stay asleep my whole life if I could dream myself into a company of players. Violet goes over to the window. Delessip's house, Violet's bedroom night. The nurse thrusts a twig to her face. Clean your teeth while you dream, then. Automatically, Viola takes the twig and begins brushing her teeth, all the while looking downriver towards the rose. The nurse attends her with a beaker of water and a bowl. Now spit. Viola gazes longingly toward the rose, and there and then she makes a plan. Exterior square in front of the rose theater day. Henslow is making his way from the theater to the marketplace when Fenniman and Lambert appear at either shoulder and propel him back the way he came. Freeze follows behind. It's time we take your boots off. What have I done, Mr. Fenniman? The theaters are all closed by the plague. Oh, that? By order of the Master of the Rebels. Mr. Fenniman, let me explain about the theater business. The natural condition is one of insurmountable obstacles on the road to eminent disaster. Believe me, to be close by the plague is a bagatelle in the ups and downs of owning a theater. So what do we do? Nothing. Strangely enough, it all turns out well. How? I don't know. It's a mystery. Should I... Kill him, Mr. Fennyman? At this point, Din is heard in the background. A messenger ringing a bell is running through the street. The theaters are reopened by order of the Master of the Rebels. The theaters are reopened. Fennyman is intrigued. Mr. Fannyman, Mr. Tilney has opened the playhouse? Yes, I heard. Now, if you wouldn't mind. Henslow continues on his way. Fannyman watches Henslow, curious. Where is the play? Oh, it's coming. 
It's coming. Interior Will's room day. It is, Will is still writing furiously. A burnt down candle is still alight, although it is day outside the window. He has been writing all night. He has written about 10 pages, pleased with himself and excited. He gathers them up and leaves the room like a man with a mission. Exterior Will's house day. Leaving the house pages in hand, Will nearly knocks down Henslow who has come to see him. Will, the the theaters are... Romeo and Rosaline, scene one. God, I'm good. Rosaline? You mean Ethel? Will has gone. Exterior Burbage's house day. Burbage lives in another part of the city. Will bangs through the door without ceremony. Richard! Interior Burbage's house day. Will enters and calls out. Burbage! Will charges into the bedroom. Rosalind is in bed. The master of the revels is pulling up his breeches. Will is shattered. Mr. Tilney. Like you, I found him not at home. So this is the favor you find in the Chamberlain's men. Will! I would have made you immortal. Tell Burbage he has lost a new play by William Shakespeare. What does Burbage care of that? He is readying the curtain for Kit Marlowe. <laughs> you have opened the playhouses. I have, Master Shakespeare. But the plague... <sighs> yes, I know, but he was always hanging around the house. A bell can be heard ringing outside. Will! You're the only one, Will, in my heart. Exterior, street, outside Burbage's house, day. Will emerges looking distraught. A burning brazier stands by the wall. Will thrusts the pages into the coals. He watches for a moment as the pages catch fire. Interior, tavern, day. Will walks in to find the place in an uproar of celebration. A handsome young serving man, Noel, is bumping through with a tray of tankards. Mr. Henslow! Yes, I heard the theaters are open, but where is my playwright? Henslow finds a seat and takes a tankard off Noel's tray. Oh, chalk it up, Noel. I'm hungry, too. The special today is a pig's foot marinated in a juniper-bearing vinegar served with a buckwheat pancake, which has been... Well, it's kind of been fried. They're interrupted by Will, who joins them. He looks distracted. Will, have you finished? Yes, nearly. It's all locked safe up in here. We need Ralph for the private king. Good morning, Master Noel. You will have a nice little part. (laughs) Noel shouts for you, takes off his apron and flings it uh, behind the bar. Henslow jumps up and embraces Will. The entire staff and half the customers are now crowding around actors, a lot of them. Henslow bangs the table to shut them all up. Ned Allen and the Admiral's men are out on tour. I need actors. Those here who are unknown will have a chance to be known. What about the money, Mr. Henslow? It won't cost you a penny. Auditions in half an hour. The din of excited chatter returns. He sweeps grandly to the tavern door where he meets Ralph Bashford, a big, burly, middle-aged actor. Ralph 
Bashford, I'd have a part for you, but alas, I hear you are a drunkard's drunkard. Never when I'm working. In Tavern Day, Will has remained behind, aghast now at his predicament. He goes to the bar. Me to drink, Mendragora. Trade up, Will. Give my friend a beaker of your best brandy. Will turns toward a figure further down the bar. It's Christopher Marlowe. Kit? How goes it, Will? Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Burbage says you have a play. I have. And chinks to show for it. Uh, Drink arrives. Uh, Will places the sovereign on the bar. I insist. And a beaker for Mr. Marlowe. I hear you have a new play for the curtain. Not new. My Dr. Faustus. Oh, I love your early work. Was this the face that launched a thousand ships and burned the topless towers of Ilium? I have a new one nearly done, and better. The Massacre at Paris. Hmm. Good title. And yours? Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter. Yes, I know. What's the story? Well, uh, there's a pirate. In truth, I have not written a word. Romeo is Italian. Always in and out of love. Yes. That's good. Uh, until he meets... Ethel. Do you think? The daughter of his enemy. The daughter of his enemy. His best friend is killed in a duel by Ethel's brother or something. His name is Mercutio. Mercutio. Good name. Noel hurries back to Will's side. Do you sit here and drink. Will, they're waiting for you. I'm coming! Good luck with yours, kid. I thought your play was for Burbage. Uh, this is a different one. A different one you haven't written? Uh. <laughs> Interior, the Rose Theatre, Gallery, Stage, Auditorium, Day. Henslow and Will are sitting in the gallery listening to a young actor auditioning. Was this the face that launched a thousand ships and burnt the topless towers of Ilium? Sweet Helen, make me immortal with a kiss. Thank you. Henslow and Will look a bit deflated. The young actor leaves and is replaced by a second actor. I would like to give you something from Faustus by Christopher Marlowe. How refreshing. <clears throat> Was this the face that launched a thousand ships and burnt the topless towers of Ilium? Henslow and Will let him continue a bit further, but exchange despairing looks. A succession of would-be actors offer their version of Marlowe's lines, each as inappropriate as the other. Among them is a small urchin. The topless towers of Ilium. Sweet Helen, make me immortal with a... Thank you. 
The urchin leaves, glowering furiously, and is replaced by a beanpole of a man, Wabash. Wabash has a bad stutter. Was this the face? Very good, Mr. Wabash. Excellent. A report to the property master. My tailor wants to be an actor. I have a few debts here and there. Well, that seems to be everybody. Did you see a Romeo? I did not. Well, I do my work, you do yours. When can I see the pages? Tomorrow. Henslow leaves him. Please, God. Will sits brooding alone for a moment. Then he realizes he is being addressed from the stage. Another actor. May I begin, sir? Will looks at the stage and sees a handsome young man with a hat shadowing his eyes. Your name? Thomas Kent. I would like to do a speech by a writer who commands the heart of every player. Will can hardly manage a nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What light is light if Sylvia be not seen? What joy is joy if Sylvia be not by? Unless it be to think that she is by and feed upon the shadow of perfection. It does not take four lines of Valentine's speech to confirm for us, if confirmation be needed, that Thomas is Viola. For Will, amazement at hearing his own words soon gives way to something else. He is captivated. He has found his Romeo. Except I be by Sylvia in the night. There is no music in the nightingale. Unless I look on Sylvia in the day, there is no day for me to look upon. Ah, take off your hat. My hat? Where did you learn how to do that? I... Wait there! Are you Mr. Shakespeare? Let me see you. Take off your hat! Thomas begins to panic. Will jumps down to ground level. Thomas runs off stage to Will's bewilderment. Will hurries after him. We go with Will as he crosses the stage, then backstage, then into the interior of the Rose Theater retiring room day, which is crowded with actors and Henslow's lieutenant, property manager, copier, and general factotum, who is a new character, Peter. What are we playing? Where are the pages? Where's the boy? Uh, Break break a leg. The street door is swinging shut. Will sees it. He fights his way through the men to get to the door. The Rose Theater Bankside day. Will emerges from the theater into a street throbbing with nefarious life. Wars, cut purses, hawkers, urchins, track sellers, riffraff of all kinds in an area of stews, low-down pubs, brothels, and slums. It is some time before Will spots Thomas way ahead of him in the crowded street. The chase is taking them to the riverbank. Exterior of the river day. When Will gets to the riverbank, he sees that Thomas is in a smallish boat being rowed upriver and in midstream. River is quite busy, and among the boats, there are a number of waiting taxis. Will jumps into the nearest one and shouts the taxi driver boatman. Ah, this one's mine. Follow that boat. Right you are, Governor. Will sits in the stern of the boat, and the boatman sits facing him, rowing lustily. I know your face. Are you an actor? Yes. Yes, I've seen you in something. Um, but what about the king? 
Really? I had that Christopher Marlowe in my boat once. Exterior of the river day. Later, the boatman is puffing. Will is looking ahead to where Thomas's boat has reached a jetty on the further shore, a private jetty attached to a rich house on the north bank. Will sees Thomas jump out of his boat and run toward the house. D- do you know that house? Sir Robert de Lesseps. Exterior de Lesseps's house day. Will runs toward the house. Interior de Lesseps's house day. Thomas rushes up the back stairs, removing his hat. Her hair tumbles down about her shoulders. So we will call her Viola again. Interior de Lesseps's house. Viola's bedroom day. Her mother, Lady de Lesseps, is talking to the nurse. Where is she? Our guests are upon us. Lord Wessex, too, bargaining for a bride. My husband will have it settled tonight. Behind her, the door opens, revealing Viola as Thomas to the nurse's view, but only for a moment. The door closes again as Lady Delessa enters. Tomorrow he drags me off to the country, and it will be three weeks gone before we return from, from our estates. A different door communicating to the next room opens and Viola comes out in after, comes in after a lightning dress change into a robe. She curtsies to her mother. I'll save you, mother. Oh, what a nurse. The nurse looks at her, round-eyed. Interior de house, kitchen day from a cauldron on the stove. Hot water is being poured into two pails by the kitchen boy under the nurse's command. Thomas Kent, sir? Uh, no, sir. The actor. Who asks for him? William Shakespeare, actor, poet, and playwright of the Rose. Hmm. Master Kent is my nephew. I will wait. Much good it may do to you. Interior to Lesseps' house, Viola's bathroom, evening. Viola, in her bath, reads Will's letter. The nurse is adding hot water to the tub. He sees himself and me. Romeo Montague, a young man of Verona. Verona again. A comedy of quarreling families reconciled in the discovery of Romeo to be the very same Capulet cousin stolen from the cradle of fostered to manhood by his Montague mother that was robbed of her own child by the pirate king. Exterior, Delesseps' house, night. Will waits hopefully. The kitchen door opens and a servant flings a bucket of dirty water in the general direction of the gutter. Will hops nimbly aside and, ex- and escapes a soaking. Ah. Be off. Be off. Interior, Delesseps' house, Viola's bedroom, night. The nurse is helping Viola into her party dress. Your mother and your father? From tomorrow, way in the country, from three weeks. Is Master Shakespeare not handsome? He looks well enough for a mountain back. Oh, nurse. He would give Thomas Kent the life of Viola Delepse's dreaming. My lady, this play will end badly. I will tell. You will not tell. As you love me, and as I love you, you will bind my breast and buy me a boy's wig. Exterior Delesseps' house, night. Will spots a gaggle of musicians approaching, carrying instruments. Will recognizes them. Master Plum, what business here? 
five shilling business, Will. We play for the dancing. The sound of hooves gives hardly any warning as a galloping horseman thunders through the musicians who have to leap out of the way. It is Wessex arriving at the house with his usual good manners. Will watches Wessex skid to a halt and enter the house. That guy's a dick. Interior to Lessex's house, banqueting room night. Willis got in with the musicians. Competently enough, he strums along with them on the bandstand. Two dozen guests are enough to crowd the space for dancing. Will glances around, looking for Thomas Kent. He stops a passing servant, helping himself to a snack off the man's tray. Musicians don't eat, Sir Robert's orders. I see Master Kent, Thomas Kent. It means nothing to the servant who moves on, angle on Wessex and Sir Robert. She is a beauty, my lord, as would take a king to church for a dowry of a nutmeg. My plantations in Virginia are not mortgaged for a nutmeg. I have an ancient name that will bring you preferment when your grandson is a Wessex. Is she fertile? She will breed. If she do not, send her back. Is she obedient? As any mule in Christendom. But if you are the man to ride her, there are rubies in the saddlebag. I like her. Angle on Will, watching the dancing. Then he sees Viola in the crowd. He turns to blood. Love at first sight. No doubt about it. Viola has not seen him. She is doing a daughter's duty among her parents' friends. The guests are up to begin a changing partner's dance, the very same one you get in every Romeo and Juliet. By all the stars in heaven, who is she? Viola de, Lepe, de Lesseps. Dream on, Will. Will leaves the bandstand and is moving trance-like to keep her in view between the dancers and onlookers. Viola moves through the patterns of the dance until, as night follows day, she finds Will opposite her. He has insinuated herself himself into the dance. Viola gasps. Mr. Shakespeare. The dance separates them. Viola finds herself opposite Wessex. My lady Viola. My lord. I have spoken with your father. So, my lord, I speak with him every day. Wessex scowls. The dance separates them. Viola finds herself opposite Will again. Will stares at her, entranced. Good sir. I heard you are a poet. Mm. Mm -hmm. But a poet of no words. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Suddenly, Wessex takes him affably by the elbow and leads him into an alcove. Mm. Poet? <sighs> I was a poet till now, but I have seen beauty that puts my poems at one with the talking ravens at the tower. <laughs> to his surprise, he finds a lordly dagger at, this, at his throat. Oh! How do I offend, my lord? By coveting my property. I cannot shed blood in her house, but I will cut your throat anon. You have a name? Christopher Marlowe, at your service. Wessex shoves him through the nearest door. Viola's eyes are searching the room for Will. She finds Wessex smiling at her. She looks away. Exterior to Lesseps Garden, Viola's balcony, night. There is a lighted window on the balcony. Viola, dressed for bed, and the nurse pass across the lighted space. Will is in the garden. He sees her. The light in the room is extinguished. 
Will sighs, then Viola comes out onto the balcony in the moonlight. Will gasps. He watches her. Viola sighs dreamily. Romeo. Romeo. The Young Man of Verona. A comedy by William Shakespeare. Will reckons that's a good enough cue. He comes out of hiding and approaches the balcony. My lady! Who's that? Will Shakespeare! Madam! Madam! Anon, good nurse, anon. Master Shakespeare. The same, alas. And why alas? A lowly player. Alas, indeed. For I thought you were the highest poet of my esteem and a writer of plays that capture my heart. Oh, I am him too. Madam! Anon! Anon, good nurse. I will come again. Goes inside for a moment. Oh, I am fortune's fool. I will be punished for this. Viola returns, Will comes forward again. Oh, my lady, my love. They find you here. They will kill you. You could bring them with a word. Not for the world. Madam! A nun! A nun-ness! But she goes inside. Will looks around and sees that there is, as ever, a convenient tree. He starts to climb up toward the balcony. When his head is nearly level, a soft figure comes once more onto the balcony. Will pops his head over the parapet and is face to face with the nurse. Ah! Ah! Will falls out of the tree. Exterior Delesips' house night. Male voice shout to each other inside the house. Candle flames appear in different windows. The garden door is flung open, revealing Sir Robert with candelabra in one hand and sword in the other. By this time, Will is on top of the garden wall and he drops safely out of sight. He could have written it better. Could not have written it better. Interior. Will's room. Dawn. Will is burning the midnight oil. Literally and metaphorically, his quill has already covered a dozen sheets. He is inspired. Interior. The Rose Theater. Stage auditorium. Day. It is day one. The company is on stage. Peter is passing pages around a bunch of actors. John, James, and Noel are looking through their pages. Draw, if you be men. Gregory, remember thy washing blow. Pot, fools. Put up your swords. Will is going around pumping hands and slapping shoulders, flushed with excitement. (laughs) Henslow is reading his pages worried. Ralph Bashford is next to him. It starts well, and then it's all long-faced about some Rosaline. Where's the comedy, Will? Where, where's the dog? Do you think it's funny? I was a pirate king. Now I'm a nurse. That's funny. Will pulls Henslow aside. We are at least six men short, and those we have will be overparted, ranters, and stutterers who should be sent back to the stews. My Romeo has let me down. I see disaster. We are at least four acts short, Will, if you are looking for disaster. Will notices a young, scruffy 13-year-old actor, the urchin we met before. Who are you, master? I'm Ethel, sir, the pirate's daughter. I'll be damned if you are! And he helps the urchin off with a kick. The urchin glowers with resentment. Henslow finds himself face-to-face with Fenneman. 
Is it going well? Oh, very well. Yes, but very well. Gentlemen, thank you. You are welcome. Uh, nobody. The author. Mm. We are about to embark on a great joyage. It's customary to make a little speech on the first day. It does no harm. The authors like it. You want to know what parts you are to receive. All will be settled as we go. As far as he gets before there is a dramatic interruption. The public entrance door is flung open and six men made a loud entrance headed by Ned Allen, the actor who is a handsome, piratical figure with a big voice and a big sword. Huzzah! The Admiral's men are returned to the house! He gets various reactions. Henslow and Will shout his name joyfully. Some of the Alan. friends... Alan! Alan! <laughs> ...and behave accordingly. Others know they are now out of a job. Fennyman reco- recovers or tries to. Who is this? Silence, you dog. I am Hieronimo. I am Tamburlaine. I am Faustus. I am Barabbas, the Jew of Malta. Yes, Master Will. I am Henry the Sixth. What is the play and what is my part? Benjamin is impressed. A moment, sir. Who are you? I am the money. Then you may remain, so long as you remain silent. Pay attention and you will see how genius creates a legend. Thank you, sir. We are in desperate want of a Mercutio Ned, a young nobleman of Verona. Hmm. And the title of this piece? Mercutio. Is it? I will play him. Ah! Half a dozen of the Admiral's men will be given roles in our play, and we meet them and identify them as Will enthusiastically shakes hands. <sighs> Mr. Pope, Mr. Phillips, welcome, George Bryan. James Armitage. <laughs> now greeting Sam Goss, the female star of the Admiral's Men. Sam, my pretty one. Are you ready to fall in love again? I am, Master Shakespeare. But your voice. Have they dropped? No, no, a touch of cold only. We suspect he is lying, but Will has turned away. Master Henslow, you have your actors. He leaves, passing by the humbled Fenniman. I saw his tamburlaine, you know. Yes. Wonderful. Yes, I saw it. Of course, it was mighty writing. There is no one like Marlowe. Will is used to it. He goes, exterior riverbank day. Will arrives in a hurry at the wharf, at the wharfside and looks vainly in the direction of the Delessips' house. No Thomas. Exterior, the Rose Theatre stage door, day. Will looks down the alley. No, Thomas. He turns away. The urchin, the short-lived Ethel, is sitting in the alley. Better fortune, boy. I was in a play. They cut my head off in Titus Andronicus. When I write plays, they will be like Titus. You admire it? 
I like it when they cut heads off and the daughter mutilated with knives. Oh. What is your name? John Webster. Here, kitty, kitty. Because a stray cat is nearby, the cat shows an interest. The urchin passes a white mouse to the cat and watches the result with sober interest. Plenty of blood. That is the only writing. Will backs away, unnerved by the boy. Wait, you'll see the cat bite his head off. I have to get back. Interior, the Rose Theater, stage, slash auditorium, day. On stage, the actors carry their part. See where he comes. So please you, step aside. I'll know his grievance or be much denied. I would thou wert so happy by thy stay to hear true shrift. Come, madam, let's away. On stage, Montague and Lady Montague make their exit. Off stage, Will appears next to Henslow. Now cut around him for now. What? Who? Romeo. The one who came with your letter. What? Good morrow, cousin. Good morrow, cousin. Is the day so young? Voice is Thomas's. Will turns back to the stage and sees him. Today, Thomas has a wig as well as his small mustache. But new struck nine. Ay, me. Sad hour seemed long. Was that my father's that went hence so fast? It was. What sadness lengthens Romeo's hours? Not having which having makes them short. Good. In love? Out. Of love? Out of a favour where I am in love. No, no, no. Don't spend it all at once. Yes, sir. Do you understand me? No, sir. He is speaking about a baggage we never even meet. What will be left in your purse when he meets his Juliet? Juliet? You mean Ethel? God's teeth, man, am I to suffer this constant stream of interruptions? What will you do in Act Two when he meets the love of his life? I am very sorry, sir. I have not seen Act Two. Of course you have not. I have not written it. Alone in the auditorium, Veneman looks and listens fascinated. So this is theater. Go, once more. Ned Allen comes out of the wings, frowning over his manuscript. Well, where is Mercutio? Locked safe in here. I leave the scene in your safekeeping, Ned. I have a sonnet to write. Will moves back into the wings where Henslow is looking anxious. A a sonnet? You mean a play? Will moves on, ignoring him. As he goes, we see that Viola is love-struck by him, a riot in the heart. Interior de Lesseps' house, staircase day. Viola, still dressed as Thomas, sonnet in hand, runs up the stairs to her room. From the other end of the house, Wessex can be heard ranting. Interior, to the Lesseps' house, hall night. Lord Wessex is being kept waiting. The nurse is bearing the brunt of his impatience. Two hours at prayer. Lady Viola is pious, my lord. Piety is for Sunday. 
And two hours of prayer is not piety, it is self-importance. It would be better that you return tomorrow, my lord. It would be better that you tell her to get off her knees and show some civility to her six-day lord and master. Viola opens the door. She has changed hurriedly, too hurriedly. The effect of her glorious hair falling to her bare shoulders is spoiled by her mustache. Fortunately, the nurse spots her before Wessex does, and by coming forward to greet her, the nurse manages to shield Viola from view, communicate the problem, and announce Wessex's presence so that by the time the nurse has passed by Viola and let herself out of the room, the mustache has disappeared. My Lady Viola. Lord Wessex, you have been waiting. I am aware of it, but it is beauty's privilege. You flatter, my lord. No. I've spoken to the queen. Her majesty's consent is requisite when a Wessex takes a wife. And once gained, her consent is her command. Do you intend to marry, my lord? Your father should keep you better informed. He has bought me for you. He returns from his estates to see us married two weeks from Saturday. You are allowed to show your pleasure. I do not love you, my lord. How your mind hops about. Your father was a shopkeeper. Your children will bear arms and I will recover my fortune. That is the only matter under discussion today. You will like Virginia. Virginia? Why, yes. My fortune lies in the plantations, the tobacco weed. I need £4,000 to fit out a ship and put my investments to work. I fancy tobacco has a future. We will not stay there long, three or four years. But why me? It was your eyes. No, your lips. Kisses her with more passion than ceremony. Viola recoils and slaps him. Will you defy your father and your queen? The queen has consented. She wants to inspect you at Greenwich come Sunday. Be submissive, modest, grateful, and brief. I will do my duty, my lord. Interior, De Lesseps's house, Viola's bedroom night. She is writing to Will. His letter poem is on her table. We can read part of it. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Now we see what Viola is writing. Master Will, poet dearest to my heart, I beseech you, banish me from yours. I am to marry Lord Wessex, a daughter's duty. She sheds a romantic, unhappy tear. Interior of the Rose Theatre stage, day. Sam is now Juliet. The play has evidently reached Act 1, Scene 5. We are witnessing the meeting of Romeo and Juliet in a simplified version of the Changing Partners dance we saw at Viola's house. Ned Allen is in charge. Gentlemen upstage, ladies downstage. The dance goes wrong. It is Thomas's fault. Gentlemen upstage, ladies downstage. Are you a lady, Mr. Kent? Thomas mutters a blushing apology. Will arrives uh, by standers, clutching fresh pages. He gives these to Peter. Ned Allen sees him and comes over to start an argument. Uh, you did not like the speech. The speech is excellent. Oh, then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. Excellent and a good length. But then he disappears for the length of a Bible. Ah, there you have his duel. A skirmish of words and swords, such as I have never wrote, nor anyone. He 
dies with such passion and poetry as you've ever heard. A plague on both your houses! Ned nods satisfied and turns back to work. Then he turns back. He dies. The author has escaped. Interior, the Rose Theater, Writer's Corner, Day. Up aloft, Will has a Writer's Corner where he settles down to work. We see his private superstition. He spins round in a circle, rubs his hands together, and spits on the floor. That done, he picks up his pen. Exterior, Street Night. Will is charging down a narrow alley and bumps into Burbage, who is emerging from the door of a tavern. Uh, Will! (laughs) Will is in too much of a hurry to stop. Burbage calls after him. And where are my pages? Will hurries on. Um. Exterior riverbank, dusk. Viola as Thomas is being rowed across the river. From behind in the direction of Bankside, he hears shouting. Did you give her my letter? Viola as Thomas turns to see Will some way behind following in another boat. She takes a letter from her coat and holds it aloft. And this is for you. Here the river, Viola's boat, night. Will has climbed aboard Viola's boat and is tearing open the letter. When he reads, causes him great pain. He collapses in the stern seat next to Viola. Uh, Thomas, she has cut my strings. I am unmanned, unmended, and unmade, like a puppet in a box. Writer, is he? Row your boat! Exterior, the river. Viola's boat night. Will turns back to Viola. They have their conversation intimately, disregarding the lack of intimacy. The boatman is hardly an arm's length away, but they ignore him. She tells me to keep away. She is to marry Lord Wessex. What should I do? If you love her, you must do what she asks. And break her heart and mine? It is only ours, and you can know. She loves me, Thomas. Does she say so? No, and yet she does where the ink has run with tears. Was she weeping when she gave you this? I... Her letter came to me by the nurse. Uh, Your aunt? Yes, my, my aunt. But perhaps she wept a little. Tell me how you love her, Will. Like a sickness and its cure together. Yes, like rain and sun, like cold and heat. Mm. Is your lady beautiful? Since I came to visit from the country, I have not seen her close. Tell me, is she beautiful? Oh, if I could write the beauty of her eyes. I was born to look in them and know myself. He's looking into Viola's eyes. She holds his look, but Will belies his words. And her lips? Oh, Thomas, her lips. The early morning rose would wither on the branch if it could feel envy. And her voice? Like Locke's song? Deeper. Softer. None of your twittering larks. I would banish nightingales from her garden before they interrupt her song. She sings too? Oh, constantly. Without a doubt. And plays the lute. And has a natural ear. And her bosom. Did I mention her bosom? What of her bosom? 
Oh, Thomas, a pair of pippins, as round and rare as golden apples. I think the lady is wise to keep your love at a distance. Huh? For what lady could live up to it is close up, close to, when her eyes and lips and voice may be no more beautiful than mine. Besides, can a lady born to wealth and noble marriage love happily with a bankside poet and player? Yes, by God! Love knows nothing of rank or riverbank. It will spark between a queen and the poor vagabond who plays the king, and their love should be minded by each, for love denied blights the soul we owe to God. So tell my lady, William Shakespeare waits for her in the garden. But what of Lord Wessex? For one kiss? I would defy a thousand Wessexes. The boat scrapes on the jetty of the Delessips' house. The bump throws Thomas into Will's arms. He holds her on the shoulders. His words have almost unmasked her. The closeness does the rest. She kisses him on the mouth and jumps out of the boat. Oh, Will. She throws a coin to the boatman and runs toward the house. Thank you, my lady. Lady? Philo Delessips. Known her since she was this high. Wouldn't deceive a child. Will gets out of the boat. Strangely enough, I'm a bit of a writer myself. The boatman produces his memoirs in a manuscript. It wouldn't take you long to read it. I expect you know all the booksellers. But Will has gone. Exterior to Lesseps' garden night, Will drops over the wall into the garden and without hesitation starts climbing up to her balcony. Interior to Lesseps' house, Viola's bedroom night, Will comes in through the window just as Viola enters by the door. They stare at each other across the room. Can you love a fool? Can you love a player? They run together and fall into a passionate kiss. Mm, mm, mm. Wait! You were still a maid, and perhaps as mistook in me as I was mistook in Thomas Kent. Answer me only, miss. Are you the author of the plays of William Shakespeare? I am. And kiss me again, for I am not mistook. They run together and fall into a passionate kiss. Viola fumbles with his clothing, he with hers. I do not know how to undress a man. It is strange to me, too. <laughs> Interior, Delessips' house, outside Viola's bedroom, night. The nurse has come to listen. She puts her ear against the door. Because she hears muffled voices, she looks startled. Interior, Delessips' house, Viola's bedroom, night. Will is half-naked. Viola is down to her petticoat and chemise. The petticoat comes away. Will flings it aside. He takes off her chemise. He is startled to find that she is tightly bandaged round the bosom. Will finds the loose end and spins her naked. Interior, Delessips' house, outside Viola's bedroom, night. The nurse drags a chair, a rocker, outside the bedroom door and takes up her position. She sits down, keeping guard. Pretty soon there comes the regular creak of Viola's bed. The nurse fans herself furiously with her little lacy fan. She crosses herself. A chambermaid comes along the gallery to the bedroom, outside the bedroom door. She is dusting her way along. The chambermaid becomes aware of the regular creaking. She pauses. The nurse begins to rock in her chair, keeping time with the creaking from within. The chambermaid stares at the nurse. The nurse stares at the chambermaid. Interior, Delessis' house, Viola's bedroom, night. 
Will and Viola have finished making love and lie in each other's arms. You might have thought it there is something better than a play. There is. Even your play. Oh? And that was only my first try. Well, perhaps better than my first. He kisses her again. Exterior de Lesseps' house, dawn. Dawn is breaking. The sun lacing the severing clouds which, with envious streaks. Interior de Lesseps' house, outside Viola's bedroom, dawn. The nurse has fallen asleep in her rocking chair. Interior de Lesseps' house, Viola's bedroom, dawn. A roaster crows at some distance. Viola and Will are in bed. She stirs drowsily. Viola, coming awake, speaks his name and he kisses her. Will. Mm. You would not leave me. I must. Look how pale the window. It's moonlight. No, the morning rooster woke me. Mm, it was the owl. Come to bed. He is winning. She kisses him and pulls the bedclothes around them. Oh, let Wenslow wait. Henslow, rather. Let Henslow wait. Mr. Henslow! Oh, let him be damned for his pages. Oh, no, no. There is time. It is still dark. It is broad day. The rooster tells us so. No, it was the owl. Believe me, love. It was the owl. Kisses her and starts to make love to her again. Viola gives him a shove, which pushes Whoa. him on the floor. She sits up and pulls on her gown. You would leave us players without a scene to read today. There's a knock at the door. Interior de Lesseps's house, corridor outside Viola's bedroom, Viola's bedroom, dawn. The nurse is knocking. Viola comes to the door. My lady, the house is stirring. It is a new day. Viola it is a new world. Interior, the Rose Theatre, stage auditorium day. The cut is to the middle of a rehearsal. We are coming up to the moment when Romeo and Juliet kiss for the first time, Act 1, Scene 5. Ned Allen is in charge, but Will is watching. His life has turned perfect. Have not saints' lips and holy palmers too? Aye, pilgrim, lips that they must use in prayer. Oh, then, dear saint, let lips do what hands do. They pray, grant thou, lest faith turn to despair. Will is in her eyeline. Her eyes flash an intimate secret look to him. Saints do not move, though grant for prayer's sake. It's you. Suffering cats! Then move not while my prayers effect I take. In character, Viola kisses Sam demurely, but apparently not demurely enough for Will, who gives a twitch. Thus from my lips, by thine, my sin is purged. Then have my lips the sin that they have took. Sin from my lips, so trespass sweetly urge, give me my sin again. Viola kisses Sam again. Will gives a major twitch, which in fact... uh, Yes, yes, uh, uh, not quite right. It is more, uh, let me. They have my lips, the sin that they have took. Sin from my lips. Oh, trespass sweetly urge, give me my sin again. Hmm. Viola kisses Will. They lose themselves for a fraction of a moment. As Viola withdraws her lips, Will's lips are going for it again. You kiss by the book. Well, it was lucky you were here. 
Why do not I write the rest of your play while uh, yes, you... Yes, yes, continue. Now, the nurse, where is Ralph? Madam, your mother craves a word with you. What is her mother? Mary Bachelor. Her mother is the lady of the house. Will has retreated to the Rose Theater backstage. He is behind the curtain now. And a good lady and wise and virtuous. I nurse her daughter that you talked with all. During Ralph's lines, which are continuous, Will stands in the shadow behind the curtain, alone agitated. I tell you, he, he that can lay hold of her, he may, uh, shall have the chinks. Is she a capulet? Oh, dear account, my life is my foe's debt. Noel, as Benvolio at a party, carrying a goblet, tipsy, enters the scene. A white begum sport is at best. Viola, about to make her exit, has her hand holding the curtain at the gap. Interior of the Rose Theater behind the curtain. Will is kissing her hand. I hear that. I so I say. The more is my unrest. <laughs> behind the curtain. Viola comes through the curtain. Will and Viola kiss dangerously. They are in a narrow space hidden from the general backstage area. Come hither, nurse. What is yon gentleman? Oh, let it be night. I know not. Go ask his name. If he be married, my grave is like to be my wedding bed. Juliet's line bites Will between the eyes. Will pulls away. Oh, do not go. Must. I must. As Will races up the ladder to his writer's corner, the rehearsal can be heard continuing. His name is Romeo and a Montague, the only son of your great enemy. Interior, the Rose Theater, Writer's Corner, Day. Will arrives at the top of the building in his Writer's Corner. He spins around once in a circle, rubs his hands together, and spits on the floor. His manuscript is all over the table. We take a peek at the lines he's already written. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the East and Juliet is the sun. Viola's voiceover speaks the line. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the East and Juliet is the sun. Viola's bedroom. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon who is already sick and pale with grief, that thou, her maid, art far more fair than she. Viola is in bed, reading the line from the manuscript page. Will is in bed with her, reading with her. Oh, Will. Yes, some of it is speakable. She has to speak through Will's kisses. He is nibbling at her neck and shoulders and just to bat him away with the pages. It is my lady. Oh, it is my love. Oh, that she knew she were. Interior, the Rose Theater, stage, day. Viola continues the speech edge to edge, now in rehearsal with Sam as Juliet sighing on the balcony above her. The brightness of her cheek would shame those stars as daylight doth a lamp. Her eyes in heaven would through the airy regions stream so bright that birds would sing and think it were not night. See how she leans her cheek upon her hand. 
Oh, that I wore a glove upon that hand, that I might touch that cheek. Ah, me. She speaks. Oh, speak again, bright angel. We have abandoned real time. The scene continues cross-cut between the stage and Viola's bed. Romeo. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Mm. Deny thy father and refuse thy name. Or if thou wilt not, be but sworn, my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Shall I hear more, or shall I speak at this? What man art that, thus bescreened in night, so stumblest on my counsel? Become late, and the rehearsal is continuing by torchlight. By a name I know not how to tell thee who I am. My name, dear saint, is hateful to myself because it is an enemy to thee. We see that a group of the other actors have drifted out front, drawn by the scene. Fennyman is there entranced. Clearly this stuff is a cut above the normal. Interior, Delesips' house, Viola's bedroom, night. Will undressed strides around the room, feeding Juliet's lines to Viola in bed. The orchid walls are high and hard to climb, and the place death, considering who thou art. If any of my kinsmen find thee here, if they do see me thee, they will murder thee. Alack, there lies more peril in thine eye than twenty of their swords. Look, but thou but sweet, and I am proof against their enmity. I would not for the world. I have night's cloak to hide me from their eyes. And but thou love me, let them find me here. Viola's bedroom night, Will and Viola are both out of bed, halfway through dressing, still rehearsing. Night, a sweet repose and rest come to thy heart, as that within my breast. Oh, wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? That's my line. Oh, but it is mine too. <laughs> Rose Theatre, stage night. Oh, wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? What satisfaction canst thou have tonight? The exchange of thy love's faithful vow for mine. Interior to Lesseps' house, Viola's bedroom, night. Will and Viola are back on the bed, kissing and making love. My bounty is as boundless as the sea. My love is deep. The more I have, the more I give to thee, the more I have. For both both are infinite. infinite. Outside, the nurse is knocking and calling. Madam! 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 The Rose Theatre stage, day. I hear some noise within. Dear love, adieu. Juliet! A non-goodness! The nurse listens at the door. A non-good nurse! Sweet Montague, be true. Stay but a little. I will come again. Viola slaps him playfully for his vulgarity and then kisses him. Stay but a little. Stay but a little. I will come again. Sam leaves the balcony through the curtain. Oh, blessed, blessed night. Viola's bedroom night. It is night. They have just made love. Suddenly it is very still. I am feared. Being in night, all this is but a dream. Too flattering, sweet to be substantial. Interior, the Rose Theatre, backstage, day. 
On stage, the scene continues. Backstage, Ned Allen is working his way upstairs. He passes by Ralph, the nurse, who has a couple of words of, as it were, in Juliet's chamber. All my fortunes at thy foot I'll lay, and follow thee, my lord, throughout the world. Madam. I come anon, but if thou meanest not well, I do beseech thee. Madam. By and by I come to ease thy strife and leave me to my grief. A thousand times good night. Exits, i.e. enters to us through the curtain. I cannot move in this dress, and it makes me look like a pig. I have no neck in this pig dress. Oh, and she's off again. She says she's going, and she doesn't. Interior at the Rose Theater, writer's quarter, day. Ned is arriving. Will is busy writing. Peter is there, holding the pages Will has completed, and waiting for Will to finish the pages. Peter is reading his pages. Will sees Ned arrive. He gives his page to Peter. How is it? It's all right. Uh. Typical, says Will's face. Peter departs, leaving the field to Ned. Will braces himself. Ned, I know, I know. It's good. Oh? The title won't do. Ah. Romeo and Juliet. Just a suggestion. Thank you, Ned. The whole exchange is an ironic code between old soldiers. Ned nods curtly and turns to descend. You are a gentleman. And you are a Warwickshire shithouse. Interior of the Rose Theatre, stage auditorium day. Peter is just handing the pages Henslow to the Henslow in the auditorium. Henslow has acquired a performing dog. The dog does somersaults tirelessly. As Peter hands over the pages, he shakes his head. You mean no dog of any kind? Fennyman, the born-again theater groupie, shouts just Henslow and looks daggers at him. The friar married them in secret. Then Ned gets into a fight with one of the Capulets. Romeo tries to stop them. He gets in Ned's way. I mean, in Mercutio's way. So Tybalt kills Mercutio, and then Romeo kills Tybalt. Then the prince banishes him from Verona. Ah, that must be when he goes on the voyage and gets shipwrecked on the island of the Pirate King. Benjamin can't hear it. He storms over, kicks the dog, roars at Henslow. He's your prattling! Get out! Get out! Thousand apologies. Good night. Good night. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow. Interior. Delesip's house. Viola's bedroom. Morning. A sunbeam wakes the lover. Sunday morning. Church bells. Viola wakes with, wakes with a start. Something is bothering her. She can't think what. Will calms her. Sunday. It is Sunday. He brings her back down to the pillow. I found something in my sleep. The friar who married them will take them up their destinies. 
Oh, but will it end well for love? In heaven, perhaps. It is not a comedy I am writing now. A broad river divides my lovers. Family, duty, fate. As unchangeable as nature. Yes. This is not life, Will. This is a stolen season. There's a great racket heard from downstairs. A man shouting. Not ready. Where is she? Be patient, my lord. She is dressing. Will you ask her majesty to be patient? Isla remembers. She jumps up and gives a cry. Sunday. Greenwich. Interior Delessip's house outside Viola's bedroom morning. The nurse is barring the stairs to Wessex. Now pay attention, Nursie. The queen, Gloriana Regina, God's chosen vessel, the radiant one who shines a light on us, is at Greenwich today and prepared during the evening's festivities to bestow her gracious favor on my choice of wife. And if we're late for lunch, the old boot will not forgive. So... You get to my lady's chamber and produce her with or without her undergarments. Interior to Lesseps' house, Viola's bedroom morning. Viola has her dress on and is putting on her shoes. Will in his underwear is in mid-argument. You cannot. Not for the queen herself. What will you what will you have me to? Marry you instead. Oh, to be the wife of a poor player? Can I wish that for Lady Viola, except in my dreams? And yet I would, if I were free to follow my desire in the harsh light of day. You follow your desire freely enough in the night. So, if that is all, to Greenwich I go. Then I will go with you. You cannot. Wessex will kill you. I know how to fight. Stage fighting. Oh, Will, as Thomas Kent, my heart belongs to you. But as Viola, the river divides us. And I will marry Wessex a week from Saturday. Outside Viola's bedroom downstairs hall, the ranting from Wessex has continued. By heaven, I will drag her down by the queen's command. Cut off short as Viola's door opens at the top of the stairs. Good morning, my lord. Ah, my lady. The tide waits for no man, but I swear it would wait for you. Viola comes down the stairs. Behind her, Will appears gowned and bonneted. He has also assumed a country accent. Here come at last, me lord. Are you bringing your laundry woman? A chaperone, my lady's country cousin. Oh my, but you be a handsome gallant, just as she said. You may call me Miss Wilhelmina. On a more fortuitous occasion, perhaps. Oh, my lord, you will not shake me off. She never needed me more, I see by your breeches. Exterior, Greenwich Palace, night. Fireworks explode in the evening sky over Greenwich, a royal palace, crowded now with noble guests. Exterior, Greenwich Palace, terrace, night. The way these royal routes work is that the guests mill about, chatting, bowing, and generally behaving gallantly, while Queen Elizabeth creates a vortex around her as she passes through the throng, occasionally honoring somebody with a couple of words, until she arrives thankfully at the best chair where she establishes a headquarters. Her current lord-in-waiting ferries the lucky few forward, 
to a brief audience with the queen, each giving way to the next. Viola and Wessex are respectively dipping and bowing as they are greeted by people who know them. Will, in close attendance, joins in gratuitously bowing until Viola nudges him and reminds him to curtsy instead. The queen's lord in waiting to leave. Now. The queen asks for you. Answer well. The lord in waiting ushers Viola through the crowd. Will starts to follow. Wessex takes him by the arm. Mm. Is there a man? Uh, a man, my lord. There was a man, a poet, a theatre poet, I heard. Does he come to the house? Hmm, a theatre poet? An insolent penny-a-page rogue, Marlowe, he said. Christopher Marlowe, has he been to the house? Marlowe? Oh, yes, he's the one. Lovely waistcoat. Shame about the poetry. That dog. Angle on the queen. The Lord-in-waiting has presented Viola. Viola speaks from a frozen curtsy. Your Majesty. Great girl. Viola straightens. The Queen examines her. I've seen you. You are the one who comes to all the plays at Whitehall at Richmond. Your Majesty. What do you love so much? Your Majesty. Speak out. I know who I am. Do you love stories of kings and queens? Feats of arms? Or is it courtly love? I love theatre. To have stories acted for me by a company of fellows is indeed... They are not acted for you. They are acted for me. Angle on Will. He is watching and listening. He has never seen the queen so close. He is fascinated. And? And... I love the poetry before. Above Lord Wessex. She looks over Viola's shoulder and Viola realizes Wessex has moved up behind her. Wessex bows. My lord, when you cannot find your wife, you'd better look for her at the playhouse. The courtiers titter at her pleasantry. But playwrights teach nothing about love. They make it pretty, they make it comical, or they make it lust. They cannot make it true. Oh, but they can. She has forgotten herself. The courtiers gasp. The queen considers her. Wessex looks furious. Will is touched. I I mean, your majesty. They do not. They have not. But I believe there is one who can. Lady Viola is young in the world. Your majesty is wise in it. Nature and truth are the very enemies of play acting. I wager my fortune. I thought you were here because you had done. Titters again. Wessex could kill somebody. Well, no one will take your wager, it seems. Fifty pounds! Shock and horror. Queen Elizabeth is the only person amused. Fifty pounds? Oh, a very worthy sum on a very worthy question. Can a play show us the very truth and nature of love? I bear witness to the wager and will be the judge of it as occasion arises. Twins a scatter of applause. She gathers her skirts and stands. I have not seen anything to settle it yet. Moves so, away, everybody bowing and scraping. So the fireworks will be soothing after the excitements of Lady Viola's audience. How she's next to Wessex, who is bowing low, intimately to him. Have her then, but you are a lordly fool. She's been plucked since I saw her last, and not by you. It takes a woman to know it. The queen passes by, and as Wessex comes vertical again, you see his fat face a mask of furious realization. 
Arlow. Interior Burbage's house entrance day. Christopher Marlowe shuts the door behind him. Above him, the ceiling creaks to the rhythm of copulation. He has a sheaf of manuscript pages in his hand. He goes to the stairs. Burbage. Creaking stops. Who's there? Marlowe ascends. Marlowe. Kit? Burbage's house bedroom. Marlowe enters, ignoring the situation on the bed where Roslyn is astride Burbage. <laughs> you are playing my Faustus this afternoon. Don't spend yourself in sport. This afternoon? We'll still be here this afternoon. <laughs> what do you want, Kit? My massacre <laughs> at Paris is complete. You have the last act? You have the money? Uh, tomorrow. Then tomorrow you will have the pages. Wait, will you desist? 20 pounds on delivery. Well, what, what is money to me like us? Besides, if I need a play, I have another waiting. Our comedy by Shakespeare. Romeo? He gave it to Henslow. Never. Well, I am to Detford now. I leave my respects. Miss Rosaline. I, I give Shakespeare two sovereigns for Romeo. You did. But Ned Allen and the Admiral's men have the playing of it at the Rose. Treachery! Burbage rouses himself violently, throwing Rosalind off the bed. The glass bracelet is flung from her wrist. It breaks on the floor, releasing a strip of paper. Burbage picks it up. What he reads on it does not please him. It is Will's signature. Traitor and thief! Exterior streets. Day. Burbage and a solid wedge of the Chamberlain's men are cleaving a path through the crowds. Their faces are grim. Interior the Rose Theater stage auditorium under the stage. Day. We are in Act 3, Scene 1. Ned Allen as Mercutio and Noel as Benvolio and two Montague sidekicks are in occupation of the stage when the Capulet swagger and four of them headed by James Hemmings as Tybalt. By my head, here come the Capulets. Oh, sorry. Now I'll go ahead. You do your thing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to try and do it as good as you can. By my head, sir, here comes the Capulets. By my heel, I care not. Follow me close, for I will speak to them. Gentlemen, Goodian, a word with one of you. Are you going to do it like that? And but one word with one of us. Couple it with something. Make it a word and a blow. But suddenly, six more men and a dog invade the stage, ready to fight. Burbage and the Chamberlain's men have arrived to avenge Burbage's honor with swords, clubs, and a bucket containing pig's will. Where is that thieving hack who can't keep his pen in his own ink pot? What is this rabble? Burbage aims a blow at Will, who ducks and grabs the stave from the nearest actor and parries the blow. He swings at Burbage. A Chamberlain's man swings at Will. Thomas cries out. Someone else slashes the stage hangings, bringing down the drapes. And in a moment, the Admiral's men and the Chamberlain's men, using their much-rehearsed skills, are brawling with weapons and fists, using everything short of unbuttoned rapiers. Crab, the dog, is yapping and snapping at any legs he can reach. Henslow, a little slow to catch up on the situation, checks the page in his hand. 
Fetterman, much slower to catch up. Watch is enthralled. Wonderful. Wonderful. And a dog. <laughs> but now Henslow has worked out that these actors don't belong, nor does the scene. He enters the fray, but his interest is in protecting his property. Big burly Ralph is using a couple of unlit torches as weapons. He breaks one of them over an enemy's back and Henslow turns on Ralph. Not with my props. Violet's doing well enough, tripping up an enemy with a well-judged stave and then using it to deflect a blow aimed at Will. Will? <laughs> what? A, a literary feud. Quite normal. Then he's smashed over the head. Mm. He falls off the stage, taking Viola with him. Under the stage is a space known as hell, and Will shoves Viola into this space. Oh, God. Uh, stay hid. He gets back onto the stage where the goings-on are worthy of the four musketeers and Robin Hood combined, with Sam Goss dressed as Juliet fighting with the best of them. There is a stack of cushions stored for the expensive st- seats, and as the stack is knocked over, Ned Allen and others grab cushions to use as shields. Soon cushions are being ripped and the air is full of flying feathers. The trapdoor in the stage opens. Viola's head pops up. She looks around and, surrounded by milling legs and floating feathers, a boot catches her sideways and half knocks her wig off. In danger of having her cover blown, she ducks down again, leaving the trap open just nicely for Will to plummet down it. (sighs) I dreamt last night of a shipwreck. You were cast ashore in a far country. They embrace and kiss. In a moment, they are in a world of their own. Under the stage, day, the battle rages. Fennyman, alone now in the auditorium, continues to watch, entranced. It's the greatest show he's ever seen. Henslow is desperately trying to rescue odd props that have been seconded to the fight. Someone picks up a tree that is to be used in Romeo. Henslow yells. We, We need that for the balcony scene. Fennyman notices this, and it rings a distant bell. He looks around and then around then realizes that some of these spaces are unfamiliar. The tree comes crashing down on Ralph's head. Fenniman looks at Henslow. My poor Rose. Collapses onto a broken bench. Fenniman comes over to him, grabs the script pages from his pocket and consults them to confirm what he has now begun to suspect. That the scene is not in them. My investment? Lambert! Lambert waits to his master's call. I want no more trouble, Mr. Finneyman. As I explained to you, the theater business... Henslow, you pound of tripe. In my business, I would be out of business if I had your courage. So don't tell me about business. He delivers a telling blow to a passing Chamberlain's man. The wheel's off the stage. Lambert, meanwhile, is making short work of the rest of this opposition, receiving help with the thorny business of identification from Sam. Stray members of the Chamberlain's men are running from the theater as Burbage, fighting a heroic last stand, is tipped backwards by Fenniman off the stage and into a bucket of swill. A pause. Then Ned starts applauding. The others, weary from fighting, start applauding too. From all levels of the theater, Fetterman looks around, starting to beam as a din of encores and bravos engulf him. A star. Interior brothel night. The victorious army of actors bursts into the brothel, Fenneman at their head. He owns the brothel, brothel, 
The place is already crowded with whores and customers. It's a party. A famous victory. Kegs and legs open and on the house. Oh, what happy hour. <laughs> Poxy ball, you keep yourself to yourself. I'll not have you infecting my investment. Is this a tavern? It is also a tavern. Will sits her down in the company and takes the chair next to her. A pretty whore immediately sits on Will's knee and kisses him. Mm. I remember you, the poet. Furiously pulls the pretty whore off Will's lap. One at a time, one at a time. Oh, he's a pretty one. Tell me your story while I tickle your fancy. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a house of ill repute. It is Thomas, but of good reputation. Come, there is no harm in a drink. Glasses are shoved into their hands. Everyone has a glass except Ross. Never when I'm working. Pretty whore has turned her attention to Sam. Sam looks uncomfortable. Never tried it? Never? I think you're ready, Sam. Redman shouts a toast. Toast! You're welcome to my best house. Here's to the Admiral's men. (laughs) Everybody drinks. Viola drinks too. She decides to. She decides to enjoy it. She bangs down her glass. The Admiral's men. <laughs> Will toasts with her. He sees that she feels one of the company. Exterior, street, night. A figure is running desperately to- through the streets. He comes into the square and runs toward the rows. Exterior brothel night. Half the company are singing. Noel and a whore are tumbling down the stairs together. He is without his trousers. An awful lot of drink has gone down. <laughs> I quite liked it. <laughs> Viola, bright-eyed, is banging her glass on the table in time to a song which is being drunkenly delivered by a barbershop quartet of actors. Benjamin reels into Viola. Master Cat, mm, you have not dipped your wick. Uh, my wick? <laughs> uh, Mr. Fennyman, <clears throat> because your love, the theatre, you must have a part in my play. I am writing an apothecary. A small but vital role. I am. Thank you. I will be your apothecary. (laughs) In his general enthusiasm, he embraces the next man who is rough, stone cold, sober. I'm to be in your play. (laughs) What is this play? Well, there's this nurse. Benjamin, besides himself, shouts for silence, announcing. Silence, Mr. Shakespeare, giving me the part of the apothecary. (laughs) The the apothecary? Will, what is the story? Where is the shipwreck? How does the comedy end? By God, I wish I knew. (laughs) My God, Will, if you do not, who does? Let us have pirates, clowns, and a happy ending, or we will send you back to Stratford to your wife. That goes down well with the entire company, except for Viola and Will. 
He looks at her helplessly, then makes as if to say something. Viola ducks away from him and blunders blindly out of the street door in tears. Viola passes Peter, who is coming in from the street. Will, attempting to follow Viola, is grabbed round the shoulders by Peter, who we now see is in a highly emotional state. Will tries to fight him off, but Peter has the strength. Get out of the way. Will, Mr. Henshaw, gentlemen all. A black day for us all. There's news come up through the river from Deptford. Marlowe is dead. General Gap. And cries for information. Stabbed. Stabbed to death in a tavern at Deptford. No one is more affected than Will. The second blow is worse than the first. He stands horror-stricken. Oh, what have I done? He was the first man among us. A great light has gone out. Stereo brothel night will come staggering out into the street. It was I who killed him. God forgive me. God forgive me. He falls into a stagnant puddle, a deep gutter of water and garbage. He gets up and staggers on. Exterior church tower. Night, a church tower leans up in the night sky. Interior church. Night. This is where Will has come. The church is empty, but for the demented, grieving figure of Shakespeare, kneeling, praying, weeping, banging his head in his private purgatory, dimly lit by tallow candles, gazed upon by effigies of the dead and images of his Redeemer. He is wet, draggled, weeds and leaves in his hair. Exterior Delessitz's house, day. A lovely, sunny morning. The church bells are ringing. Viola and the nurse mounted approach. Viola rides side saddle on a beautiful horse and is followed rather like Quixote by Sancho by the nurse on a less impressive animal. Riding in the opposite direction is Wessex and what a happy day it is. He sings and hums party to himself merrily. Here is a man who has heard wonderful news. And, oh, party and party. Oh, you look sad, my lady. Let me take you riding. It's not my riding, Jane, my lord. Oh, bless me, I thought it was a horse. I'm going to church. <clears throat> oh, I understand, of course. It is to be expected. It is to be expected on a Sunday. And the day of mourning. I never met the fellow but once at your house. Morning? Who's dead, my lord? Oh, dear God, I did not think it would be me to tell you. A great loss to playwriting and to dancing. Viola almost faints. The nurse steadies her. He's dead? Killed last night in a tavern. Come then. We'll say a prayer for his soul. Viola gives a silent cry. The nurse is speaking to her in distress. Now is the time to show your breeding. Interior church day. The nurse is holding Viola up as they enter the church. Viola seems catatonic. The nurse lowers her onto a seat and sits down next to her. As they sit, the choir enters singing. Wessex, who is sitting in the next pew, looks about with him with interest. He hasn't been in a church for years. What he sees turns him to jelly. He sees Will Shakespeare. Angle on Will. Will is a spectral, bedraggled figure, backlit by a great shaft of light. 
He would look like a ghost at the best of times, and this is the worst. Bleeding from where he has banged his head, bedraggled and ravaged by the night, he stands in a side chapel staring at Wessex. Wessex gasps and sweats and sees Will raise a quivering accusatory figure at him. Wessex cracks, he starts to mumble. Oh, spare me, dear ghost. Spare me for the love of Christ. Now Viola sees Will. She is still paralyzed and seems at first unable to take him in. She watches with detachment as Wessex starts to back out of the church, finally running in terror. Spare me! Choir continues to sing, but the scream brings Viola to her senses and she runs to a side door where Will is leaving. Exterior church day. Outside, Viola sees Will staggering away from the church. She calls his name. Will! He does not answer. She runs after him. Oh, my love, I thought you were dead. She claps him to her. They they hold each other for a moment, then Will pulls back. It is worse. I have killed a man. Exterior meadow, day. Viola's horse grazes. Will lies on his back, still sobered and full of guilt. Viola sits on the grass among the buttercups and looks down at him. Viola is plating a finger ring from stems of grass. She has not yet revealed her feelings. Marlowe's touch was in my Titus Adronicus, and my Henry VI was a house built on his foundations. You never spoke so well of him. He was not dead before. I would exchange all my plays to come for all of his that will never come. You lie. You lie in your meadow as you lied in my bed. My love is no lie. I have a wife, yes, and I cannot marry the daughter of Sir Robert de Lesseps. It needed no wife from Stratford to tell you that. And yet you let me come to your bed. Tough love. I loved the writer and gave the prize for a sonnet. I was the more deceived. Yes. You were deceived, for I never loved you till now. Now? I love you, Will, beyond poetry. Oh, my love. You ran from me before. You were not dead before. When I thought you dead, I did not care about all the plays that will never come. Only that I would never see your face. I saw our end. And it will come. You cannot marry Wessex. If not Wessex, the Queen will know the cause. And there will be no more Will Shakespeare. They kiss again passionately. No, no. But I will go to Wessex as a widow from these vats. As solemn as they are unsanctified. And as their desperate kisses turn into lovemaking, we cut to interior, the Rose Theatre stage auditorium day. For killing Juliet's kinsman, Tybalt, the one who killed Romeo's best friend, Mercutio, Romeo is banished. He is on the stage of the Rose. The entire company is assembled, Henslow and Fennyman included, in holding pages of the manuscript, which they are sharing together, examining the separated pages, passing pages to each other, etc. Will's mood is intense and focused. 
But the friar who married Romeo and Juliet. Is that me, Will? You, Edward. The friar who married them gives Juliet a potion to drink. It is a secret potion. It makes her seeming dead. She is placed in the tomb of the Capulets. She will awake to life and love where Romeo comes to her side again. But I have not said all. By malign fate, the message goes astray, which would tell Romeo of the friar's plan. He hears only that Juliet is dead, and thus he goes to the apothecary. That's you, Mr. Fenniman. That's me. Yes. He goes to the apothecary and buys a deadly poison. He enters the tomb to say farewell to Juliet, who lies there cold as death. He drinks the poison. He dies by her side. And then she wakes and sees him dead. And so Juliet takes his dagger and kills herself. Well, that will have them rolling in the aisles. Hot and wonderful. I have a blue velvet cap, which will do well. I have seen Apothecary with a cap just so. Yes, it will serve. But there's a scene missing between marriage and death. Will is still staring at Byla, aware suddenly of the others watching. She breaks his gaze and drops her head. Will looks at Ned. Interior de Lesseps' house, Byla's bedroom. Evening. Will and Viola. Viola dressed as Thomas. He has, pre- he has present for her a neatly written manuscript of his play on sheets folded of both sides. The play. All written. Out for you. I had the clerk at Bridewell do it. He has a good fist for lettering. There's a new scene. Will you read it for me? Wilt thou be gone? It is not yet near day. It was the nightingale and not the lark that pierced the fearful hollow of thine ear. Nightly she sings of yon pomegranate tree. Believe me, love, it was the nightingale. It was the lark, the herald of the morn, no nightingale. Look, love, what envious streaks do lace the silvering and severing clouds in yonder east. Night's candles are burnt out. And Jockin' Day stands tiptoe on the misty mountain tops. I must be gone and live, or stay and die. Yon light is not daylight. I know it. It is some meteor that the sun exhales to be to thee this night a torchbearer. Thou needs not be gone. I have more care to stay than will to go. Come, death, and welcome. Juliet will sit so. How is my soul? Let's talk, it is not day. 
By now, her loosened bosom bandage has been pulled away and Will passionately embraces her nakedness. And into this heaving composition comes a little white mouse, unseen by them, climbing through a knothole in the planking behind Violet's head. An adjacent knothole reveals a human eye and we do not need to be told it is John Webster's. Webster takes his eye away from the peephole and frowns, thinking it out. Exterior alleyway day, Tilney puts a coin in Webster's hand. You will go far, I fear. I hope we work together again. Tilney walks away. Exterior, the Rose Theater day, a man is pacing up and down in a sort of agony. He is muttering. He is glancing at a sheet of paper. He is Fennyman, rehearsing the important role of the apothecary for which he has a special voice. Such mortal drugs I have, but Mantua's law is death to any he that utters them. Then him, then me. With this, in any liquid thing you will, and something. Such mortal drugs I have. Oh, what is it? What is it? He is so wrapped up in all this that he simply does not notice when Wessex rides up to the main entrance, dismounts, and walks inside. Interior of the Rose Theater stage auditorium day. On stage, the rehearsal continues. Wessex strides in. Among the audience are Henslow, a few actors, and John Webster, who sees Wessex and jumps up and goes to him. My lord! Shakespeare! You upstart inky pup. Now I will show you your place, which is in hell. You are on my ground. By God, I'll fight the lot of you. I am more than enough. Viola reacts. She almost gives herself away, but the fight has started. Wessex slashes at Will. Will knows how to fight. He parries and thrusts. Wessex is surprised. The fight goes fast and furious around the stage until Will thrusts accurately at Wessex's chest and would have killed him Uh but for the button on his sword point. Wessex grapples with him, and now it becomes a parody of the Hamlet duel. Wessex's unbuttoned sword falls to the ground. Will puts his foot on it, tosses Wessex his own safe sword, picks up Wessex's sword, and continues the fight until he has Wessex at his mercy. Will has fought with a passionate rage that has everybody staring at him. Now the look in his eyes is merciless. Absent friends, this is the murderer of Kit Marlowe. Ned Allen comes forward looking worried and dubious. Well, I rejoiced at his death because I thought it was yours. That is all I know of Marlowe. It's true, Will. It was a tavern brawl. Marlowe attacked, got his own knife in the eye. The quarrel about the bill. The bill, oh, vanity. Vanity. Not the billing, the bill. Oh, God. I am free. Wessex gets to his feet. Tilney enters the auditorium from the public entrance. Close it. My Lord Wessex. Close it! 
Take it down stone by stone. I want it plowed into the ground and sown with quicklime. As it storms out past the bewildered Tilney. Mr. Tilney, what is this? Sedition and indecency. What? Master of the Rebels, sir. Over here, sir. Where, boy? (laughs) I saw her boobies. A woman on the stage. A woman. I swear it. Company of actors are dumbstruck. None more than Viola. So, Henslow, I say this theater is closed. On the authority of the powers invested in me by the court, I close this theater. Why so? For lewdness and unshamed facedness. For displaying a female on the public stage. Tilney is unstoppable. He jumps on the stage and seizes Sam Goss. Before Webster or anyone can interview, Tilney pulls up his skirt, ignoring Sam's rather guttural yell of protest, and pulls down Sam's drawers. Tilney's face is a study. So is everyone else's. Webster rolls his eyes, all these stupid grown-ups, and deftly throws one of his mice onto Romeo's hair. Viola gives a shrill scream. The startled mouse descends her neck via Viola's ear and seeks an entry into her collar, by which time Viola has gone berserk and torn off her wig. Her hair is pinned up, but there is no question her gender. Will is paralyzed. Viola gives him a look of terrible despair and apology. Not him. Her. He's a woman. By now the scene is playing to a crowded theater, or so it seems. That's what I meant. This theater is closed. Notice will be posted. Sam has picked himself up and his drawers. Ned, I I swear I knew nothing of this. Nobody knew. He did. I saw him kissing her boobies. Everybody looks at Will who stares at Viola helpless. Closed. Closed. Mark you, Henslow. Tilney turns on his heel and leaves in triumph. The company is still plaxed. <sighs> it is over. I'm so sorry, Mr. Henslow. I wanted to be an actor. I am sorry, Will. Will shakes his head. This cannot be the end. Viola walks away, leaving by the public entrance. They all let her go, watching her silently as she passes Wabash. You you were wonderful. As she is leaving, Will comes to life. He starts off toward her, but his progress is halted by a sock to the jaw from Ned Allen. Will falls down in the dust. Fennyman enters, still bent over his sheet of paper, mumbling his precious lines. When he reaches the groundlings yard, he finds to his surprise the whole company is standing about in attitudes of despair or worse. Fennyman looks around. Everything all right? Exterior, the Rose Theater evening. The closure notice is nailed to the door. Interior, Delessitz's house, Viola's bedroom night. Viola, in her nightdress, is reading by candlelight. She is reading her private manuscript of Romeo and Juliet and rereading. Next to her is a tray of covered dishes. The nurse enters and looks at her sympathetically. She lifts the tray. She realizes... It is heavy. She puts it down and raises the covers and sees that Viola has eaten nothing. 
She looks at Viola's tears, but there's nothing to be said. Interior tavern day. They are all there. The Admiral's men, including Will and Henslow, drowning their sorrows. Everyone is drunk. Fennyman is also there, taking the disaster somewhat selfishly. It's been great. Hands of flash to Ralph. So would I. We both would. Ralph contemplates the flask, and since he's not working, takes a swig. A moment later, he keels over, rigid as a pole. The street door crashes open. Burbage enters. Behind him enter a solid wedge of the Chamberlain's men, sober-faced, several with black eyes and bandages round their heads. Lambert! Lambert, Fennyman's henchman and killer, puts down his finger and comes forward, casually kicking chairs and tables out of the way. Kill him. Kill him. Lambert reaches up the wall over the bar and takes down one of the ceremonial weapons holding there, a battle axe. But Burbage has flintlock pistols stuck into his sash. Burbage draws and the pistol roars, shooting flame. Lambert curses, drops the axe, nurses his wounded hand. Burbage puts the pistol back into his sash. Ned Allen is half drunk at a table. He staggers to his free feet. He faces Burbage. Well, Burbage, you never did know when your scene was over. That can wait. The master of the revels despises us for vagrants, tinkers, peddlers of bombast. But my father, James Burbage, had the first license to make a company of players from Her Majesty, and he drew from poets the literature of the age. Their fame will be our fame. So let them all know we are men of parts. We are a brotherhood, and we will be a profession. Will Shakespeare has a play. I have a theater. The curtain is yours. Exterior, the curtain theater, day. A strong wind is blowing through the trees. A boy with a paste pot and a bundle of flyers is having trouble pasting a flyer on the wall of the building. A gust of wind scatters the bundle and sends a couple of dozen flyers flying into the sky. The boy with the paste pot runs around trying to recover those he can. We look at the poster. It says, by permission of Mr. Burbage, a Hugh Fenneman production of Mr. Henslow's presentation of the Admiral's Men in performance of the excellent and lamentable tragedy of Romeo and Juliet with Mr. Fenneman as the apothecary. Will comes out of the theater and passes the poster. He walks on without looking at it. A voice calls after him. Will! We'll be needing a Romeo. Will carries on walking. Exterior streets day. Will is pushing through the crowds on his way to the river. Interior, Delesseps' house, Viola's bedroom day. The nurse is helping Viola to dress in a wedding dress. The nurse is in tears. Viola submits to the task impassively. Exterior, the river day. Will is climbing down the ladder to the waiting boats. Interior, Delesseps' house, hall. Wessex, dressed to be a bridegroom, is concluding his negotiations with Delesseps. While Lady Delesseps weeps, Delesseps is signing papers. There is a money chest, too. My ship is moored at Bankside, bound for Virginia on the afternoon tide. Please do not weep, Lady Delesseps. You're gaining a colony. And you are gaining 5,000 pounds, my lord, by these drafts in my hand. 
would you oblige me with 50 or so in gold? Just to settle my accounts at the dark side. <sighs> ah, look where she comes. Byla has appeared at the top of the stairs with the nurse. Good morning, my lord. I see you are open for business. So let's to church. Exterior de Lesseps' house day. Will is running across the grass toward the house. As he crosses the bridge over the moat, a carriage bears down on him and he has to flatten himself against the wall of the gatehouse as the carriage passes, taking Wessex and his bride to church. Will's face as he watches the carriage disappear. Distant bells begin to peal. Exterior church door day. The bells announce the completion of the marriage as Wessex and the new lady Wessex leave the church. Viola's veil is flying in the wind, and beneath it we can just see Viola's unhappy face. The Delesseps family entourage is applauding. Wessex beams with satisfaction. Suddenly the sky and the wind deliver a message. A flyer from the curtain slaps across Wessex's face. He claws at it and tries to throw it away. The wind delivers it to Viola's bosom. She takes it up and reads it and passes it to the nurse. Wessex descends the steps to where the curtained carriage awaits the bride and groom. He gallantly holds the door for Viola to enter. She climbs aboard. Wessex makes to follow her. Oh, my lord! My lord! To Wessex's discomfort, the nurse grasps him in an embrace. Be good to her, my lord! Be good to her! I will. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go. There's a good Thank you. Thank you. The tide will not wait. Farewell. Wessex pulls aside the curtain and gets in. Interior carriage day. It takes a moment for Wessex to realize he is alone in there. He looks around, but Viola has fled. Exterior, the curtain theater day. Hundreds of people are converging on the theater. Among them is the Puritan Makepeace, vainly exhorting the crowds to run away from sin. Sorry, everybody. Licentiousness is made a show. Vice is made a show. Vanity and pride, likewise, made a show. This is the very business of show. But Makepeace is being carried inexorably through the main doors of the theater. Interior, the curtain theater, backstage, day. The Admiral's men are all in costume and are in a buzz of nervous excitement. Alan, dressed for Mercutio, is giving last-minute instructions to Peter. James and John Hemmings are arguing about the timing of their entrance. Bennyman, in his apothecary's cap, is agonizing over his lines. Wabash is stuttering over his alone in his dejection of in the midst of all this is Will dressed for Romeo. Bennyman approaches him, apothecary's cap in hand. This all right? Yeah. Will nods, miserable. Sam has found a private corner. He is gargling into a basin. He looks worried and furtive. Interior, the Curtain Theater, Auditorium, Day. The audience is gathering. Exterior, the Curtain Theater, Day. Word has got around. Even rich people are coming. They arrive by carriage and by palanquin. Some of them are cloaked and hooded, slumming incognito. 
A cannon booms from the curtain. The flag of the admiral's men flutters above. Exterior, the curtain theater, entrance, day. Lambert and Freeze are taking the entrance money. Interior, the curtain theater, auditorium. The auditorium is now packed. Among them, sheepish is makepiece. The curtain theater backstage. Everything is ready. Ned signals the musicians, trumpets and drums sound. The house falls silent. Interior, the curtain theater, the wings. Wabash seems to be important at the beginning. We have never been told what part he plays. He is still muttering lines and stuttering them. Two households, both alike in dignity. We're lost. No, it will turn out well. How will it? I don't know. It's a mystery. And off we go. Henslow claps Wabash on the shoulder and sends him through the curtain. Angle on Wabash. Interior of the curtain's theater stage. The audience waits expectantly. Wabash gathers himself. Two. Households. Both alike in dignity. In fair Verona, where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventured piteous or throws doth with their death bury their parents' strife. Exterior street day, Viola and the nurse hurrying toward the curtain. Interior the curtain theater backstage, Hemings brothers are ready to go on as Samson and Gross Gregory. Act one, scene one. They shake hands. Beyond the curtain, the audience applauds the prologue as Wabash comes through the curtain backstage. Wonderful. Was he good? (laughs) The Hemings brothers enter the arena and the play begins from the wings. Gregory, on my word, will not carry coals. No, for then we should be colliers. Will looks as if he'd rather be dead. Sam Goss approaches Will nervously. Master Shakespeare. Luck be with you, Sam. Sam? It is not my fault, Master Shakespeare. I could do it yesterday. Sam, do me a speech. Do, Do me a line. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Henslow has been overhearing. Uh, another little problem. What do we do now? Well, the show must, uh, you know. Go on. Juliet does not come on for 20 pages. It will be all right. How will it? I don't know. It's a mystery. And he makes his way toward the front of the house, exterior street. A furious Wessex is hurrying along the road to the theater. Interior, the curtain theater, auditorium, stage. Viola and the nurse are arriving and are looking for a seat in the gallery. Burbage and his men are standing at the back behind the people seated in the gallery. The first scene of the play is continuing. Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? 
I do bite my thumb, sir. Can we talk? They're standing in the back row of the gallery seats. The spectator in front of them is the nurse. She sits, turns around and shushes Henslow up. We have no Juliet. No Juliet? No Juliet. It will be all right, madam. What happened to Sam? Who are you? Thomas Kent. Whispers are causing black looks and hushing noises from the neighbors. Henslow pulls Viola from her seat. Luckily, an aisle seat. Do you know it? Every word. Henslow and Burbage look at each other. Cut to the Curtain Theatre stage. Nurse, where is my daughter? Call her forth to me. Now by my maidenhead at twelve-year-old, I bade her come. What, lamb? What, ladybird? Sam, who gathers himself to make his entrance quietly and horribly practicing, how now who calls? God forbid. Where's this girl? The author and star, Will Shakespeare, has his back to the stage, his hands over his ears. He is cowering in dread anticipation. What? Juliet? As Sam is about to enter, Henslow's hand yanks him by the collar and Viola overtakes him and steps on stage. Enter Juliet. Viola is not wearing the um, been hidden from us by her cloak. How now, who calls? Your mother. Madam, I am here. What is your will? There is a collective gasp. Nobody has ever seen a boy player like this. The wings. Will takes his hands from his ears and turns round in amazement at the sound of Viola's voice. Stage. Wessex has just arrived in the auditorium and jumps as if he has been shot. He seems about to intervene, but looking around the rapt faces, he realizes he cannot. The wings, Henslow and Burbage look at each other. You will all be put in the clink. (sighs) See you in jail. Backstage, Fennyman, oblivious to the drama, is practicing his lines in a fever of nervousness. Such mortal drugs. I have... And Mantua's laws death to any that utters them than him than me. Swordplay, an amazing performance that holds the audience spellbound. Tybalt kills Mercutio. I'm hurt. Courage, man. The hurt cannot be much. Ask for me tomorrow and you shall find me a grave man. A roll of thunder over the heads of the audience, far above the thatched roof of the theater, clouds are gathering in the sky. On stage, Mercutio is in Romeo's arms, but the tone of the playing is unlike anything we've seen before. Without bombast, intense and real, and the audience is quiet and attentive. Why the devil came you between us? I was hurt under your arms. Exterior, the curtain theater. In the semi-rural view toward the city of London, there can be discerned a gaggle of approaching men, and there is something orderly about them. As they come closer, we see that they are a company of pikemen marching toward the theater, led by the master of the rebels, Tilney. Thunder rolls. Interior of the curtain theater stage follows our running across the stage in the panic that follows Tybalt's death. 
Oh, I think it was Noel who was playing Benvolio. Just need an actor. Any actor. Romeo, away, be gone. The citizens are up and Tybalt slain. Stand not amazed. The prince will doom thee death if thou art taken. Hence, be gone, away. Oh, I am fortune's fool. Why dost thou stay? Backstage, Will has just killed Tybalt. He is still breathless from fighting. He stands face to face with Viola. I am fortune's fool. You are married. If you be married, my grave is likely to be my wedding bed. The implication of her silence fills the air. Interior, the Carton Theatre stage. We cannot tell whether this is the play or their life. The audience and the rest of the world might as well not exist. Will turns from her and begins to descend from the balcony. Oh, they're gone so. Love, Lord, my husband, friend, I must hear from thee every hour on the hour. For in a minute there are many days. But by this count I shall be much in years, ere I again behold my Romeo. Farewell. Oh, thinks thou we shall ever meet again. Methinks I see thee now, thou art so low. As one dead in the bottom of a tomb. Either my eyesight fails, or thou looks pale. Trust me, love. In my eyes, so do you. Dry sorrow drinks our blood. Adieu. Adieu. Stage. Now the friar is giving Juliet his potion. No warmth, no breath shall testify thou livest, and in this borrowed likeness of shrunk death, thou shall continue two and forty hours, and then awake as if from a pleasant sleep. Stage. It's Benjamin's moment. The apothecary and Romeo. Come hither, man. I see thou art poor. Hold, here is forty ducats. Let me have a dram of poison. Such mortal drugs I have, but Mantua's law is just to any he that utters them. He's cut in several lines early, but his conviction is astonishing. My poverty, but not my will, consents. I pay thy poverty, and not thy will. Exterior street, near the curtain theatre, day. Tilney on the march, his hand grips a copy of the curtain flyer. Uh, Interior of the curtain theatre stage, Juliet lies dead. She lies on top of her tomb, lying in stage, her best dress, her hair down, her hands in prayer at her breast, her eyes closed. Romeo has found her like this. Eyes. Look your last. Arms. Take your last embrace. And lips, oh, you the doors of breath. Seal with a righteous kiss, a dateless bargain to engrossing death. 
Come, bitter conduct. Come, unsavory guide. Thou desperate pilot, now at once run on the dashing rocks, thy seasick weary bark. As Will embraces her, Viola's eyes flicker open, shielded by Will from the audience, and the lovers look at each other for a moment as Will and Viola, rather than as Romeo and Juliet, their eyes are wet with tears. Auditorium, Burbage and Rosalind are watching. Kemp is watching. We see that the audience are several of the whores we recognize from the brothel. They are weeping openly. Stage, Will is raising the fatal drug in a last toast. Here's to my love. Oh, true apothecary. The wings, any men moved but proud in the wings. I was good. I was great. Thy drugs are quick. Thus, with a kiss, I die. Auditorium. The nurse is weeping, too. Stage Juliet wakes, wakes up with a start. Where is my lord? Do you remember where, uh, well where I should be? And there I am. Where is my Romeo? Oh, dead! What here? A cup closed in my true love's hand. Poison, I see, hath been his timeless end. So, happy dagger. This is thy sheath. There rest. And let me die. She stabs herself and dies. The inner curtain closes over the tomb. The curtain theater, stage, auditorium. High angle on audience and stage. The prince, played by Wabash, is having the last word. For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. The end. There is complete silence. The actors are worried, but then the audience goes mad with applause. The curtain theater, the inner curtain stage day, the inner curtain opens, but Will and Viola are in a play of their own embracing and kissing passionately, making their own farewell. Henslow is too stunned and moved to react at first. Then he looks at the audience and the penny drops. It's a hit. The audience roars. Will, Viola, and the company come forward to meet the applause. Tilney and his men burst in. Tilney jumps up onto the stage where the Admiral's men are taking their bows. Tilney's cops ring the stage, facing inwards. I arrest you in the name of Queen Elizabeth. The audience goes quiet. Burbage jumps out of the audience onto the stage. Arrest who, Mr. Tilney? Everyone. The Admiral's men... Chamberlain's men, and every one of you ne'er-do-wells who stands in contempt of the authority invested in me by Her Majesty. Contempt? You close the rose. I have not opened it. That woman is a woman. The entire audience, we ask actors, recoil and gasp. The nurse crosses herself. 
What? A woman? You mean that goat? I'll see you all in the clink. In the name of Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth. Mr. Tilney. It is Queen Elizabeth herself descending now, her hood and cloak thrown back. She is an awesome sight. A shaft of sunlight hits her. Have care with my name. You will wear it out. There is a general parting of the waves. Soldiers and actors, a general backing off and bowing as Queen Elizabeth takes the limelight. The Queen of England does not attend exhibitions of public lewdness, so something is out of joint. Come here, Master Kent. Let me look at you. Viola comes forward and is about to curtsy when she catches the Queen's eye, an arresting eye, which arrests the curtsy and turns it into a sweeping bow. Yes. Yes, the illusion is remarkable, and your error, Mr. Tilney, easily forgiven. But I know something of a woman in a man's profession. Yes, by God, I do know that. That is enough from you, Master Kent. If only Lord Wessex were here. He is, ma'am. The voice belongs to John Webster. He points firmly at a figure in the audience, Wessex, trying to look inconspicuous. Majesty? There was a wager, I remember, as to whether a play can show the very truth and nature of love. I think you lost it today. You are an eager boy. Did you like the play? I liked it when she stabbed herself, Your Majesty. Master Shakespeare, next time you come to Greenwich, come as yourself and we will speak some more. Will bows deeply, the queen turns to leave, the waves part for her. Main entrance, the queen is bound out through the doors. Exterior, the curtain theater, a gaggle of the queen's favored courtiers wait by her carriage. Wessex is hurrying down the exterior staircase as the queen emerges from the theater. During the following, a general egress from the auditorium is taking place, including some of the actors crowding to see her off. Wessex bows out of breath. Your Majesty. Why, Lord Wessex, lost your wife so soon? Indeed, I am a bride short. How is this to end? Violet has come out of the theatre. Amongst some of the other players, the queen catches her eyes. As stories must when loves deny, with tears and a journey, those whom God has joined in marriage, not even I can put asunder. Lord Wessex, as I foretold, has lost his wife in the playhouse. Go make your farewell and send her out. It's time to settle accounts. Uh, how much was the wager? Fifty shillings. Pounds. Give it to Master Kent. He will see it rightfully home. And tell Shakespeare something more cheerful next time for Twelfth Night. Queen proceeds towards her carriage. There is an enormous puddle between her and her carriage. The queen hesitates for a fraction and then marches through the puddle as cloaks descend upon it. Too late. Too late. She splashes her way into the carriage, which departs. Interior of the curtain theater stage. Day. My Lady Wessex. She holds up Wessex's purse. I play it no longer. Fifty pounds, well, 
for the poet of true love. I am done with theatre. A playhouse is for dreamers. Look where the dream has brought us. It was we ourselves did that. For my life to come, I would not have otherwise. I have hurt you and I am sorry for it. If my hurt is to be that you will write no more, then I shall be the sorrier. The Queen commands a comedy, Will. For twelfth night. <laughs> a comedy? What will my hero be but the saddest wretch in the kingdom? Sick with love? An excellent beginning. Let him be a duke. And your heroine? Solden. At sea then, a voyage to a new world. She lands upon a vast and empty shore. She's brought to the Duke Orsina. Orsina, good name. But fearful of her virtue, she comes to him dressed as a boy. And thus, unable to declare her love. But all ends well. How does it? I don't know. It's a mystery. You will never age for me, nor fade, nor die. Nor you for me. Goodbye, my love. A thousand times goodbye. Write me well. She kisses him with finality, then turns and runs from him. Will watches as she goes. Interior Will's room day, a blank page, a hand is writing. Twelfth night. We see Will sitting at his table. My story starts at sea, a perilous voyage to an unknown land, a shipwreck. Exterior underwater day, two figures plunge into the water. The wild waters roar and heave, the brave vessel is dashed all to pieces, and all the helpless souls within her drown. All save one. Lady. Violet in the water. Whose soul is greater than the ocean, and her spirit stronger than the sea's embrace. Not for her watery end, but a new life beginning on a stranger's soul. Isla is walking up a vast and empty beach. It will be a love story. For she will be my heroine for all time. And her name will be Viola. He looks down at the paper and writes, Viola, then, what country, friends, is this? 
Exterior beach day dissolves slowly to Viola walking away up the beach toward her brave new world. The end.